Father, take my words and speak with them. Take our minds and think with them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. For Jesus' sake. Amen. The name James Abbott McNeil Whistler is probably not a name that many people know. Uh, But a century ago, he was considered one of the great celebrity artists in America. He was, of course, uh, the creator of the famous portrait of his own mother, Whistler's mother, considered on both sides of the Atlantic one of the greatest portrait painters of his time. He painted a portrait of a family, a prominent uh, Brahmin family in Boston. Uh, The work was shipped to the home. It was delivered, it was unpacked, they had professionals there very carefully handling it, they were going to hang it in the room, they did so, they had some friends who were visiting to watch the great masterpiece be hung, but when it went up, people shook their head and said, something's askew, and so they readjusted things, they moved it higher, they moved it lower. Uh, They removed some furniture. They changed the carpet, but nothing seemed to work. Well, the very next week, the great artist was going to be in town, so they invited him to come and to share counsel on how they think the picture should have been hung. And he came into the room, and again, everybody wanted to see this great celebrity artist. And he came in. And he heard the reports of what they had done and what they had moved and the attempts to hang it. And then he said, out, out, take everything out of the room. Take all the other pictures off the wall. Take all the furniture and put it in the hallway. Roll up the carpets and take them somewhere else. Let's have the room be bare. And then we will bring one by one each of the items back into the room. And we will lay it down and set it so that it rightly complements the great masterpiece. No humility on this guy's part. But everything will be done to complement the masterpiece. The question I want to ask this Ask Wednesday of you and of myself is, how are we going to hang the portrait of Christ in the gallery of our own hearts? That is the Lenten question. It's not about food. It's not about prayer. It's not about ice cream or TV. It's about Christ. And how do other items, therefore, match up with him? Some years ago, a Gallup poll was done in which the question was asked, how important is your religion to you? And there were five answers. Not important at all. Somewhat important. Important. Very important. Vital. Essential. Let's look at each of those. First of all, not important at all. Well, that person isn't here on this Ash Wednesday. Why would they be? So let's not fuss with that question. The second one is somewhat important. This is the person who comes to the occasional Sunday service. This person is a real believer, but religion is only somewhat important. I remember some years ago teaching a Lenten class, and a man who was a Sunday sometimes attender came to the Bible study. I was very daring and assigned homework during the Lenten class. Can you believe that? Homework? 
And this man hadn't done his homework, and his wife said to him, You will do your homework for class tonight, so I'm packing you a sack lunch. You will not go out with the guys. You will stay in the office and do your homework. And he did. He opened his Bible, and he took out the sheet, and he began to fill in the questions that I had prepared. During the course of this, as his fellows were leaving, they asked him to come. He said he wasn't. And said, fellow said, saw the Bible and said, what are you doing? He explained he was filling this out for a Bible study class. He was doing during Lent. And the man said, oh, are you a Christian? And my parishioner said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. This fellow who had worked with him in the same office for seven years said to him, really, that's wonderful. I had no idea. And it stung him to think that in seven years that somebody would have no idea that he was a believer. The third question is important. This is the person for whom religion is important, considers being a Christian part of their identity, but they may have a violent temper which they do not control. Or in the case I knew of one man subscribed to two pornographic magazines, but did not see that as a serious contradiction of his faith. Well, this man examined that. He thought about that. He looked at the portrait of Christ in his life and saw the pornography and the anger did not match up with the portrait, and so he dealt with it. Fourthly is the person who says it's very important. I think of a woman that was in one church where I was. She was in the choir She taught Sunday school. She was on committees and she chaired committees. But there were other portraits in her life that needed their due attention. And she gave them her loyalties. Sometimes a loyalty that contradicted her loyalty to Christ. Family histories that required vendettas or cultural loyalties which required a cultural snobbishness. And she saw that did not match with the portrait of Christ. And so she dealt with him. Lastly, there's the person who says it is vital, essential importance. I'm thinking of a young college woman in one church where I was. And she came and told me she had broken up a dating relationship with her boyfriend because he wasn't a Christian. And she couldn't marry a non-Christian. And therefore, she couldn't date a non-Christian Because Christ was essential and central to her being. If you remember our Old Testament lesson, you will remember that the prophet Joel is doing the same thing. He's talking about an army that has attacked the land. This is not an army of the Assyrians or an army of the Egyptians or an army of the Amorites. This is an army of locusts that have come in and are eating up the crops. And many people are going to starve and die. And the prophet saw this as a judgment of God. And so he blows the trumpet and he announces a house cleaning. Take it all out. Take everything out and rethink your faith and your living in the light of a single loyalty to God. St. Paul is saying something similar. He's saying that he has the best furniture, as it were, in all of Israel. Chippendale, spiritual Chippendale. He's a Jew's Jew. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He has the zeal of the hottest zealot. 
but he counts it all as garbage or rubbish in for the sake of Christ. He's taken it out of the room. He's looked at it. And if it assists his faith to Christ, he keeps it. But if it does not, it's garbage. It's rubbish. Let it go. Why don't we want to do this? I know why we don't want to do this. My wife sometimes gets the notion that we should move furniture in some room in our house. And I hate it. I said, sweetheart, do we really have to? I'm reading a really interesting book. I got a, a, a good magazine, a religious magazine I'm reading. Do we need to move the furniture? But she persists, and I give up, and we do it. And you know what? Every time we do it, even if it takes two or three hours, okay, it's really better than what I wanted and had along the way. But why didn't I want to do it? I call it being conservative or content. God calls it laziness. It is the fourth of the seven deadly sins, the deadly sin of sloth. We are just too lazy to think about treating Christ's portrait in our life as central. And we need sometimes to rethink our religious lives totally. Move all the furniture out onto the lawn and let's start from scratch. And that is an invitation to a Holy Lent.